Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track monitored accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Hurlebus, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome back to another episode of Feather and Fur Podcast. I, of course, am Brad Hurlbus, and tonight we are going to be talking to Troy Stoger. Stoger, I'm sorry, Troy Stoger. He even told me how to pronounce that, and I still butchered it. Tonight about upland hunting, dogs, double shotguns, and pretty much everything else that him and I both enjoy chasing outdoors, so we're going to bring him in right now. Mr. Troy, how are you tonight? Good. How are you, Brad? I am Good. Why don't you give everyone a little introduction on who you are? Well, um, honestly, I'm a fly fishing guide who likes to go out and shoot at and miss grouse. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty much it. I mean, I'm pretty new though. I've only been doing this for like 30 years. So. Yeah, that's yeah. nothing. There's, there's no time in there. I mean, until you hit no. 60, you're still a rookie. I, I know, I know. I mean, they're hard to hit. I grew up, grew up bunny hunting, and uh, is you know shooting guns that were bigger than me. You know, sure. beagles for for bunnies and. Um, kind of lived the outdoor lifestyle from the time I was probably eight years old and till now. And here we go. Very nice. And I'm sure them bunny guns weighed twice what you weighed, 12 pound hammers. They, they, they pretty much did. They pretty much did. And I mean, it's the first one that I had was, uh, was a single shot and, uh, the stock was cracked and it was hell, you know, it just oh, no. eat the crap out of you. And, and then I, I upgraded to a bolt gun. You know, nice. so I'm, nice. I'm, yeah, no, uh, no shortage of recoil there. You know, <laughs> my 80 pound frame getting thrown back three feet every time you pull the trigger. 
Yeah, there's no there's no gas system there. There's no inertia. There's no springs. There's it, it's no. full on. You take the whole brunt, and I'm assuming it was a 12 gauge because why wouldn't they just throw you a 12 gauge? Right? What else? What else are you going to use? Exactly. That's awesome though. But I mean, that had to like well, that probably was laid a big foundation for what drives you to continue in the outdoors though. It does. It does. I mean, it's you know, I had never been exposed to that kind of stuff, and my my stepdad actually raised beagles back then, and. Sure. Uh, so, you know, it's wanting to be one of the guys, so to speak, you know, it's I tagged along and, and, and did whatever, whatever I could to, to get away with it, you know, and, you know, from, you know, wanting at, you know, 11 years old and, you know, and, and everything that goes along with that. I got away from it for a while, but I had a dog that needed a job and that's how I actually got back into bird hunting a lot of years later. The dog is really the key to me. I mean, following my dog around and if I didn't have a dog, I can completely see myself just losing all interest in bird hunting. I'd probably focus on bow hunting a lot because it's the dog for me. But what what was it like? I've never been exposed to beagles and rabbits. Like what? Like walk me through it. Like were you involved in the training at all? Like I mean, there's got to be a decent amount of training, right? You know, there there is and there's not. I mean, basically, what you what you basically all you train for is to get them to come back. All right. Uh, otherwise, it's it's a pack of them, and they boo, you know, going going through the through the, the brush, and and running after after bunnies. I mean, they're not as slow as the rabbits are. So basically, what happens is that they flush it. They flush a rabbit, sure, and because uh, their their noses work really well, you know, they'll they'll flush a rabbit, and the rabbit will actually come back around full circle, and uh, to back where it was. So what you're doing is you're you're waiting for that rabbit to come back to where he started. Sure, and you you shoot it on the fly that way. So you let the dogs, they let the dogs chase it around, and eventually yes. you know where it's going to come. Yes. So you work your way to that point where the dogs first. I'm assuming they start howling and all that once they pick up a scent or flush a rabbit. Yeah, well, and it's they do anyway. I mean, it's beagles are, are different than bird dogs. You don't need a bell or a sure or a beaver or anything like that because they're noisy all the time. <laughs> you know, and it's they they let you know where they are, <laughs> and, uh, and and because they hunt in a pack too. That's that's exactly what they do. Is they're they're howling at each other and they're howling at the bunnies and they're howling at the, the wind. You know, it's got the, it. They do constantly. That's it's got to be a completely different experience than chasing around a couple of pointers for grouse. It is. It is, and it's not though. I mean, it's 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 honestly it's it's closer to fishing or to, to hunting a flushing dog. Got it. Um, sure. Because that's that's it's essentially the same thing. The only difference is that the rabbits don't fly. Right. I mean, they run just as fast as the birds do on the ground. Sure, sure, and I, I, I chased rabbits a few times with my lab, and he, he moved, he moved rabbits. I don't do it so much with with Pippa because, as you know, you've hunted behind me with her. She'll get on a rabbit trail, and like you won't get her bird focused again. I mean, she'd much rather chase fur than feather. So I try to stay away from rabbit hunting with her intentionally, just right. on that, just because I don't want her to be like, oh, we're always hunting bunnies. No, we're not. We're not. She is such a wonderful dog, though. She's a good girl. I mean, she really is, and for being a rescue at six. For me picking her up at six and her having a little bit of exposure when she was a year or younger, I, I have absolutely no complaints. No, no, she's uh, she definitely has you know, as long as she stays focused, she she hunts hard. Agreed. It's that trying to keep her focused on feather than fur. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're trying. So you went from you started with the beagles and the and the bunnies, and then you went to bow hunting. You said. So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and that was more of the same. It was uh, I wanted to do what what my my stepdad and his friends were doing. 
you know, and sure. getting out of the woods. And, and uh, so, so I did that for, for a number of years and, you know, you discover girls and things like that and, and, and kind of got away from it about, you know, 17, 18 years old and sure. uh, hunted gun for a little while longer than that, gun deer for a little while longer than that. But I, I honestly, I didn't hunt then for probably 20 years after that. All right. So early, late teens, you kind of gave it up and then you picked it back right. up. And once you had, once you had a dog, you needed to put to work. I did. I did. And he was not a bird dog at all. Um, he all right. was, he was a, uh, one of those golden doodles, those hypoallergenic designer sure. dogs, but he was so high strung and he honestly looked like a wire hair. Um, Got it. Something along those lines. He had straight hair and in the beard and everything that goes along with that. And, uh, just they're not supposed to shed and he shed a lot <laughs> you know but, but, uh, but he was he was just so high strung that i i decided that he he needed it he needed a job and uh sure so i i started started messing around with him and and he i realized that he was a natural pointer and he would lock up i mean the the, the foot didn't come up where he was you know but he would he would actually lock up on on things sure and uh, so i started working with him and he honestly became the best bird dog that i ever hunted over well, I mean, I've talked to people that hunt all over. I mean, everyone knows Lab or um, Goldens was it a mm -hmm. Labradoodle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're they're um, Golden Retriever Poodle mix. Got it. I know guys that I that where I kennel Pippa. He breeds and trains Goldens. That's what he does. I mean, he's got some phenomenal bird dogs, and I've met people that hunt over Poodles that swear by him. So, if there was some drive there, I can absolutely see that becoming the best bird dog. You know, I can, I can see it. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, he was 10 times the hunter I ever was, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's, so he'd put birds up and I'd miss birds and he'd look at me like, I just, you know, it was my fault that, that sure. we weren't going to eat today, that, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> natural retriever then? I'm sorry, was I? Was he a natural retriever? Yes. Yes. And in fact, you know, that was, that was our afternoon ritual is I just go out and throw a ball for him or something. Sure. And never, never was gun shy. You know, it's I'd shoot and his head was up looking for a bird to fall from from day nice. one. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's always a good. I mean, when they get excited about the gun and they, when they see the gun case and the orange and they, they that right. just drives them. I mean, it makes life a lot easier. I mean, it the definitely is not there. Yeah, it definitely does. And uh, I, I miss having a, a, a bird dog so much. You know that you know and it's i i want a smaller pointing breed this time but at the same time it's i almost want to do another one of those just because he was so good at what he did sure you know, such a such a natural people pleaser i get it i mean it's hard to trend away from what you've had i i it was really i really if i didn't really want to chase grouse if that was not my passion grouse and woodcocks and then back on the back side of that is pheasant and then duck. And I don't use a dog much for duck only because I hunt out of kayaks for it. So, but I probably would have stayed with a lab. I mean, if I still, if, I mean, if it wasn't for that drive of wanting a pointer for grouse, hoping to give myself just a slight more advantage on those birds when they take off at 700 miles an hour. Right. I, I mean, I was just hoping to get that little bit of an advantage and maybe shoot one out of a hundred rather than one out of five hundred. <laughs> that's that's about right too. Yeah, I shoot a lot more shells than I do shoot birds. That's for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Even on woodcock, I mean, and woodcock's easier to hit, and I still miss my fair share of those as well. I mean, there's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, so once that helicopter thing, you know, it's they uh, they kind of hover there and gives you a little bit of a, of a fighting yeah, chance. Yeah. They do that. They go straight up, and you just got to hit them when they stop before they start to right. move forward. That's that, that's like it's like shooting clays before it gets out there too far. When it makes that perfect like balance point, you just drop the crap. Right. Yeah, them woodcock. I tell you, but I wish they were a little bigger. Maybe I do. Yeah, might be easier to hit. Probably not, but still. <laughs> I don't know. Pheasants are pretty big, and I can't hit those either. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the last time I really went pheasant hunting. I take that back. It was two years ago, and I took out a couple of people um, for their first time on a game farm. Okay. So I did pretty much no shooting. I had a gun there for I don't know why, because I pretty much let them take all the shots. <laughs> I just prefer that wild bird. I don't like I don't I do. like that put I don't like the put and take that our DNR does. And I know people love it, but if I'm gonna go shoot pen raised pheasants. I'm going to go pay for them myself and set the hunt up and call it dog training. Right. And that's, that's exactly what it is then. And, and I mean, even on the public land, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. And the public land just gets pounded around here. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but down here, I mean, it just gets pounded. Yeah, it does here too. That's kind of why I started chasing woodcock because not many people do it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I kind of just, gravitated back toward grouse only because I think that that's what I grew up with too. You know, it was, if we weren't hunting bunnies, it was, if we were hunting grouse. Sure. You know, and uh, usually behind a lab. My and, lab was phenomenal. Just yeah. great bird dog. Just, I knew confidently if we were in the woods and there was scent around, he was going to move that bird. Like I knew for sure he yeah. would track that thing to the point. Like I trusted him a hundred percent. I know Pippa occasionally blinks birds. I know it, but I mean, I think that's part of that focus thing. But I knew when I was behind my lab, if we were in the woods and there was birds within our range, he was going to find them for sure. Right. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I mean, I... I still, a lab's a great dog for upland hunting. I know a lot of people, a lot of people tend to go for the pointer and I get it. I mean, I like pointers too, but for just an all around, like, I don't know. I, I still have a hard time beating a lab. Like, I don't know what I do for my next dog. I really don't. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm getting close to a Brittany or something along those lines, you know, and it's, it's small enough that as I have the two little girls at home too, and it's, it's small enough that, uh, not going to run them over too bad, but at the same time, you know, it's like, I kind of miss a lab too. 
I'm torn. I'm torn because Pip is going to be 10 in February. I mean, well, she just turned nine. It's only April. Holy cow. Um, but I don't know what I'm going to do next because I do all that kayak hunting for ducks. And I'd still like to have a dog I could take with and do some retrieves because, again, even duck hunting, I love watching that dog work. I really do. Right. So another griff is obviously on my list for sure. But the coat is a lot of work. You saw it. I mean, it's a lot of work to maintain that coat. Um, yeah. I'm going to also probably look at um, probably a water, the American Water Spaniel. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I'd be going back to a flushing dog. From what I've read, they they hunt close for the upland, and they tend to have a pause before they drive in. Like, it's not a point by any means, but they kind of tend to have a hesitation before they drive in where a lab just gets more aggressive the closer to the scent they get. At least right. mine did, for sure. The tail just wags harder, and they just start running harder. <laughs> right. Um, but that weight, like they're 40 ish pounds on average. I mean, it's an easy dog to lift in and out over the new canoe right. um, and throw it in the, in the canoe as well. The actual canoe, it's small enough where when they start to age, my wife can lift the dog if needed. Like that's what worries me again about the lab. Like I'm thankful bandit passed as fast as he did. But we didn't have to go through like his hips actually failing and everything. Because right. my wife's like, I don't know how I lift him to take him to go out to the bathroom. I can't. I can't physically lift this dog. It's too big. So that's always a big concern for us too. Right. But if Brittany's a good size, my nephew, uh, I drove to West Virginia with my nephew and my brother-in-law to pick up a Brittany for him. Okay. So I have a little experience with a Brittany and that was a Velcro dog and a half. Oh, without question, without okay. question, they are definitely all upland too. You know, it's right. You're not taking one out for for a duck, you'll never drive drive home. Yeah, and his would retrieve, but I wouldn't say it was a really hard focused retriever. But every dog is slightly different there. Every breed. I mean, I'm sure I can find some of the Britneys out there that will out retrieve some of the labs I've. I mean, so I don't generalize dogs like that because there's just right. too many variables. Um. But I think a Brittany would be a really good choice. Oh, absolutely. You know, that or English set or something along those lines, but one of the, the smaller high energy dogs that if I can get one to work close. Sure. And that's what, and that is the key with grouse hunting is you need your dog to work close. I mean, I'm, I looked at GSPs and GSPs are still kind of on my radar, but with me, how much grouse hunting I do, I know they say it's easier to pull a dog back than to push them out with range. But I don't want a GS. I don't want a dog that's hunting. And this is going to sound crazy to the guys out west, but I don't want a dog that hunts at eighty yards. No, I don't either. Not, not mean, where we. Right. I mean, forty yards is more. I mean, at at twenty yards in some of the places you and I hunted, you can't even see your dog anymore. Like it's gone. Right. right. I mean, forty yards to me when when Pippa starts to get out to like sixty yards, thirty to sixty yards, and you can no longer hear her bell. I'm like, she's too right. far. Like that, right. and I know the guys out west have their dogs running miles, like they're out hundreds of yards chasing quail. So they've got to be like, "You guys let your dogs range forty yards? You don't trust them?" Well, it's not that I don't trust them; it's that once they start going up much farther than that, you have a lot of crap to get through just to get to them. Right. Well, and you're never going to get a shot then either because you're not going to see right. the bird. Right. Especially when you start to get into our seasons on the high pressured public land. Right. You need a really good dog to figure some of them grouse out because they'll bust under the lightest of pressure. I mean, if they're not, I've had grouse where my dog's been on point 
at least 20 yards, if not 30 yards away from that bird, and it's still bust because it got nervous. Right. So if you have a dog going out 80 to 100 in the grouse woods, in, me, in my opinion, that's like you're gonna, they're going to be hunting. I feel like they're hunting on their own at that point almost. Like well, you're, just, yeah. you're just along for the show. Right. Which I'm, which I'm generally fine with anyway. It's I, I mean, I definitely do make it all about the dog too. So. I mean, oh, it's, sure. it's what they're here to do. I would agree with that hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's absolutely about the dog. I, it's the dog work and it's the walking through the woods and enjoying nature. Like that's what really drives me towards those woods for grouse and woodcock. I don't get the same experience hunting a field for pheasant that I do walking through the big timber of the North Woods. I don't either. I don't either. And and about the- obviously, you you saw the land that I found close to home too, and it's. Sure. I mean, it's it's got the the North Woods feel, but it's twenty minutes from my house. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's something you just don't tell anybody about because you don't want anybody to ruin that one. I mean, you are the only one that knows. <laughs> And I'm not saying nothing on this show. I'll tell you that much. Nothing <laughs> personal to all my listeners. You can find your own spots. It's all, it's public land. It's out there. You can find it. And for the record, I live in Appleton and it's, it's close to me. So. <laughs> oh, you get a heck of a starting point there. That's a big breadcrumb. That's, that's all they're getting though. <laughs> just like if, if, if you want to leave a comment, just let me know where you plan on thinking you're going to try. And I'll just make sure if you get close to like have your tuck trout or something. So just let me know when you're going to go show up and I'll make sure to keep an eye on your land. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, we have some great public land and you found it 20, 30 minutes from you. And I've got some excellent woodcock. I'm a little too, I'm too far south for grouse to hit them with any consistency, but I found some amazing woodcock land by me and when you can go chase wild birds 15 minutes from your house i mean that's just something special yeah there's there's nothing better than that and then to have the dog and then to follow the dog around and yeah there's a reason and you know it i mean there's just something special if you haven't tried like getting out into the big woods and grouse hunting behind a dog it's something you really should you really should experience once because there's just something really special about watching that dog work those woods and how they glide through the forest. Like I, it's hard to describe how they just transverse over logs and under logs and around trees and work scent cones. There's just something really special about it. If you really pay attention to it all. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't even raise my gun, you know, and, and birds will be flying up and I won't even raise my gun because I'm so just, I'm so interested in watching what the dog is doing, you know, that sure. it's, I lose complete focus too. It's I'm not, not all, all that unlike Pippa in that respect where she had to stop and think sometime. You know? <laughs> that is true. I mean, if you've hunted behind Pippa, she absolutely like, you can just look at her and she like, you think she's on a point, And then when you actually like look at her facial expression, you can just tell she's thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you thinking about? Like, do you actually, are you trying to like focus on what you're trying to smell? Do you smell something and you're not sure what it is? So you're like, what is that? Is it Robin? Is it grouse? Is it rabbit? Is it squirrel? <laughs> she's a character in the woods. That's for sure. She is. She's great though. And then you, you really are the one that introduced me to like some of the different Corvus clothing lines as well. And I yeah. gotta, I gotta say, I mean, like you're, you said you're a fly, you're a fly fisherman and you're a guide, and I know mm-hmm. you're on the Orvis team, and you right. did a great job introducing me to Orvis. And 
some of their their upland hunting products are really top notch. They are, they are, and I'm not sure that there's anything better than what they do. You know, and it's I mean, their stuff is so well designed and so thought out that uh, that it's incredible. And and honestly, the uh, the president of the company now, um, Simon Perkins, is uh, he's a hunter first, and and that that makes a world of difference. You know, and that's I think that that's going to be that's going to be huge going forward too, because he was a hunter first. That sure. I think that the you know there's going to be a lot of lot of emphasis on that going forward as well. So, well, that's a good thing. It's always a good thing that companies don't lose their hunt. Like, I'm always nervous, especially in this day and age, because there's so much public pressure out there, and a big brand like that. And yeah, they have a big hunting side, but their clothing and their fishing side is probably far well more well-known than their hunting side. Right. And with public pressure, I'm always nervous for companies like that, that they might say, you know, it's just not worth the bad publicity anymore to have anything in hunting. And they just focus on fishing, which doesn't have that bad of a negative rep. And they focus on their just regular old recreational clothing. But it's good to hear that their president actually has a hunting background. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know that's that's a big part of what they're doing too is that they they don't buckle under the pressure you know they're just they know what got them to where they are I mean they're the biggest company that does what they do period sure they've been around the longest too and uh, they they don't they don't change they just they know what they understand what got them there it's a lifestyle company but it's you know it's it's the hunting and fishing lifestyle and it's and they, they keep it that way which that's good to see it's refreshing it really is it is. And they came out with a quite a bit of they came out that whole new pro line over the past year and a half now two years i think this was the second season and i know i had the pro vest and now i moved on to the pro lt vest and i gotta say they're very well thought out you are right they are they are um well i got my my lt vest the same time as you did and it's uh it's an incredible piece i mean especially I feel like it's great for a grouse and woodcock hunter because it's not overly complicated. It's really light. The shoulders, the, the straps are ultra thin and it doesn't have more features than what you need, but it has enough to, and it has enough to keep you happy. Like it keeps the weight down, but gives you enough organization and storage that you don't feel like you're missing anything. Exactly. I, I do like that far better than the full size pearl vest. That is for sure. That one was just a little bigger than for. I could see that out west for like a quail hunter, maybe, or if you're big out like in the Dakotas chasing pheasants and you're carrying a lot of birds and you're carrying a lot of water and things like that. I think that's a better choice. But for the grouse hunter, that LT vest is killer. Right. Well, and you're walking through such such thick woods and brush and everything else, and briars and all that stuff all day. The last thing you want to do is be carrying extra weight around. Agreed. I've I've really I used to carry about a box of shells with me, and that's changed drastically now. I mean, I carry ten shells at most, a half a box, because it's just I do too. It's the odds of me finding that many birds in that one specific because a lot of my hunts I break up into spots and then I'll drive to my next spot. Cause I'll push an area, which is good. And a lot of land, it seems like you have a really good section and then there's a lot of mediocre around it. So especially if I am short on time, I'll hunt all the really good stuff. So it makes no sense to carry around all that extra shell weight. 
knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Oh, boy. I think we lost Mr. Troy here. Um, let's see what we can't do here. To... There he is. Now he's back. I lost you there for a minute. I see that. Everyone, welcome Troy to the show. We're... <laughs> <laughs> Start over. Um. Yeah, I was just saying that I don't know what you missed, but I was just saying that a lot of my spots I hunt, mm. there's really good sections in a lot of mediocre land. So I'll drive from spot to spot to spot. Right. So it makes no sense to carry around two boxes of shell when I'm back to the truck every 30 to 45 minutes, just pounding through different better land. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm so used to not shooting as much anyway. You know, it's, I mean, it's not like we're hunting a game preserve out there. These are wild birds that are far you know, more at home out there than we are. And, uh, you know, often you don't get a shot anyway. And, uh, you know, it's, if I, if I shoot 10 times, that's a busy day. You know, if I spend a full day out there. I agree 100%, but there's just something about it where it's like, if I only, I, I could most days probably take a, a six shells, maybe eight and, yeah. you know, and come home with plenty. But I'm always in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, if I only take eight shells, I'm going to flush 12 birds and I'm going to need six shells per bird. Not really, but seriously, like I, most times I shoot both barrels and, and no bird fall. Well, yeah, I do too. That's when you actually have a shooting opportunity. I would say for me, where I hunt realistically, I only shoot at maybe one in six birds that flush. Right. Woodcock's a little different. Woodcock, I get more shooting opportunities at. But for them grouse, I watch plenty of them fly and don't even mount my mount my shotgun because there's just no ethical shot. Like, I mean, I could throw I can throw steel or lead at them, sure. Right. It's not going to have how far out they are and their trajectory and whatever's in the way. Either a pine tree is going to save their life for an aspen or an elder, or I'm going to get two pellets in them and the thing's going to rot away and die in three days, and that's not what I want. No, no. And it's either that or they, sometimes they just fly so low that you don't want to shoot your dog either. Yeah. I feel like they have learned that through time. I, I, I feel like I we've hunted did. them with dogs for so long that they're like, it's better to stay low where if you think about like an actual coyote or a wolf, they're going to want, they'd want to fly up because right. that's away from the threat. I think we have hunted them with guns for so long. They're like, stay low, stay towards the dogs. Right. You don't get shot if you're right if you're at the same height as the head of the dog. No, definitely not. And it's I think that they yeah, I think they learned that. Which is ridiculous. I am ju just gonna say it. Like of all the evolution out there, they should have learned to fly straight up. Right. Well it'd be easier. <laughs> like like a like right, like a woodcock. Right. Or they fly can fly straight up and then go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, I mean I've also, what else did we, you got, I got one of those Orvis jackets from you too. And like that whole line, that whole pro LT hunting line or pro line, whatever they came out with. Right. I, I got to say, like, I normally don't rep, I don't normally do a bunch of brand repping. I, I only rep brands that really help me in the long run. Cause I don't, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I need to publicize people for free, but when, if you're a brand 
that I actually believe in, I'll absolutely say good things about you. And everything I've gotten from through you and through Orvis, like, and I get nothing for free. I pay full price like any other one else. So I'm not saying anything like that when I say it through you, right? But I mean, I picked up a few really key pieces from you after talking to you about them and you really like, it's worth the money. And I got to say they're worth the money. They absolutely are. You know, and it's, I mean, it's, the stuff is not inexpensive, but it's, it's definitely worth it. I mean, it's kind of like having a good shotgun. It, it, it is. I mean, can a cheap shotgun, I mean, I, maybe a shotgun's not the right, right one because I mean, clothing, to, in my opinion, actually, I prefer a higher quality for the reason I don't want it to fall apart in a year. Right. If it says it's waterproof, it better be waterproof. If it says it's breathable, it better be breathable. If it said it's going to handle the thorns I and the brush I walk through, it better be able to handle the thorns and the brush I walk through. Right. Whereas a shotgun, I've had some the trigger and it goes bang, you're good to go. But ex exactly. So I can't even compare it to a shotgun. Unless I mean, I like my, I love my story. I mean, you got to see that thing. I mean, it it's gorgeous gun. It, it, fits me, it fits me excellent, and it's one of those guns where I really enjoy like looking at it. it, it it's I mean, it's one of those. It's that's what I enjoy about it. But clothing, I expect something different out of actually thinking right. about it. It's got to work, and it's got to work to a high level. And that's why I'm willing to pay those higher costs. Because right. if I'm out and I don't want my trip to be ruined due to weather, right? I I absolutely agree. And you know, and it's as long as you dress properly, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Agree. Enjoyable time out there. Pouring rain gets to be a little much. I like tend, cold, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I tend to stay away. Like those really, really cold fall rains. I've hunted them before. Scenting mm. conditions can be a nightmare for the dog. Right. But a mist or like even a light rain, I'm okay with that. But really, I mean, I can't count how many times I've been caught in the rain where I knew the rain was coming. And I don't want to be miserable for the whole walk back to the truck. Right. Nor do I want to carry rain gear with me. Well, that's just the thing. It's you're you're walking through some uh, less than easy conditions anyway. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want to do is look like you're packing into camp somewhere. Yes, I agree with that. And I used to be that guy. I used to take so so much stuff with me constantly. I did too. I did no. too. It's, I mean, I don't even carry a handheld GPS anymore. I uh, I do the track back on my phone, and I'll mark the sure. car. You know, and that's that's all I do. I care. I have the GPS for the dog collar. That's what I use because I'm using the dog for Pathfinder, which uses my phone. Um, I carry a first aid kit mm -hmm. that's meant for the dog and me, right? And a couple of things more for the dog than anything else. And that's and then water. That's about it nowadays. I don't have anything extra. I mean, I still have the basics. Like I always have a compass. I have a right. pin on compass, which just in case. And it's actually on my keychain, so that I, there's no way that I'll ever forget it. Right. I mean, a compass is. I mean, a compass is a huge thing because as long as you're direct, even if you're directionally challenged, like if you don't know which way is north, as long as you're working at walking in the same direction, sooner or later you're going to find a road. Even in Wisconsin, you can be in the middle of the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Eventually, you're going to find a lake, a river, or a road, and you can walk to civilization at that point. You're not going to be walking for a hundred miles in one direction and not come to anything. Right. I'd not be around here and no. all. I'd have a hard time saying you'd walk for more than two, maybe three hours in the same direction and not come to civilization anywhere. Right. But even if you, 
just pay attention to when you leave your truck. Like, hey, I'm walking into these woods north. You know, coming back out, if you get lost and turned around, all I got to do is walk south. Right. Even if you're, I don't know, 500, 1,000, a quarter mile east or west of that location, that's fine. Because eventually you're going to come back to that road or wherever you drove in from. And Troy is gone again. So I can see. Oh, I can see. Oh, he is back. Look at that. Hey. That's a little stuttery. That's all right. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> we'll blame we'll blame your internet connection. Who do we want to pick on? Charter? Let's blame Charter. Spectrum, yeah, yeah, there you oh, go. Oh, I guessed it. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> so you're like we said, you're on the Orvis staff. What what is like your favorite piece of gear right now for like upland hunting? Like, what do you really like? Like, this is just really it. The Orvis Uplander gloves, honestly, you know, and it's, that's something that's so forgotten, you know, and uh, your hands go through that and they're exposed all the time. You know, sure. the, uh, the gloves though, it's like, it all, it feels like you're not wearing anything and it does all the time. They stay soft. And they they form they form fit really really well, so you can actually you can actually feel like the stifling on your gut. You know, it's really yeah, they're they're really incredible, and uh, that's that's one that I would actually drive back home to get if I forgot them. So so I mean they they actually live in my gun case, so that I never forget them. I know you showed them to me. I didn't really play much with them, but I mean I do remember being like really soft and really thin. That I do remember, and and I don't like a big bulky gun when I'm carrying a shotgun. Right. Right, and even when it's cold, they're just enough just to keep that, keep the cold air off of your hands, and that's that's all you really need, you know. Agreed. I mean, they work really well. And where we're normally hunting, or where we've hunted, I mean, you're normally working enough and walking enough that you generate enough heat. Like you don't have to dress right. like you're not. We're not sitting in tree stands. We're not even if it's twenty degrees outside. I'm dressed pretty light. I am like, too. I'm dressed light enough that if I was way back in the woods and I got hurt, hypothermia would become a big concern of mine because I'm not dressed to sit. I, I do too. And it's, I don't, I don't generally layer either. It's like I'll wear fleece or, um, well, you see, you saw my jacket too. It's I just, just an upward coat and, you know, but, but it's generally, I don't layer underneath there because all you're going to do is sweat. It's going to make you heavy and it's going to make you uncomfortable anyway. Right. I wear enough layers to, make me comfortable for walking. And I like to stay on the cooler side. I'd rather be slightly chilled than too hot. Same. But there's that safety factor, which I have thought about in the back of my head and I just keep a lighter and I'll make a fire if I have to. That's exactly it. <laughs> Easy enough solution, but gloves, that's, that, that was not what I was expecting. I figured you, yeah, I, I figured I'd hear, so you'd be like, you know, I got that custom Orvis shotgun. That's fitted to me. I mean, I, well, I thought I that have, might be it. You know, I, I do have that, but at the same time, you know, it's no. Well, I mean, you could you could go out there with a with a you know three hundred dollar Mossberg or something and do the same job. Sure. You know, and it and it would do the same job. It's not maybe as pretty as to, pretty to look at as the rest of the guns in my safe, but at the same time, you know, it's it would still you know as long as it goes bang, it would still work just the same. As long think, as it fits. I mean, yeah. fit is a huge thing, though. It it, it is. I mean, I, th I think that the uh, the gloves are just indispensable. Though. 
I am curious though, and we never really talked much about it. What was it like going out to get fitted at Orvis? Like, what was that whole experience like? Well, um, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's like they've got you, you know, standing into a bunch of different ways and with with this tape measure thing, and then they've got a they've got a gun with all these different uh, different moving parts on it, and so it's basically what they're looking for is line of sight and things like that, and they they can adjust the length of pull and everything on this this full stock so to speak. And sure. um, it was, it was a, it was an interesting thing, you know, with you walk out with a printout of, of the actual measurements that you need, you know, and exact, you know, cast on cast off, you know, dimensions and exact length of pull and everything that goes exact drop at comb, things like that, everything all the right down the, right down the line. It was, it was, it was really interesting. So did you wear, like, did you, th did you, was clothing involved? Like, did you like, pick like i'm gonna this is my standard up, did you wear an upland vest while you did it i did i did and um i i wore actually the uh my upland coat okay with, you know the sleeves zip off so i just i just wore it that way um sure. with the, just as the vest but um just to you know it fraction of an inch as it is you know it, it definitely maybe would make a difference and i've always been taught or told i should say a longer length of pull is harder to shoot than a shorter length of pull. So everyone that I've talked to about this and I've yet to get fitted, it is on my list of things to do because I know how important it is, is that you're better off having a slightly shorter gun than a gun that's too long. Oh, without question. So it makes sense to wear a jacket or an upland vest or what your standard mm -hmm. cooler weather hunting scenario would be and have your gun slightly shorter rather than have that extra length of pull. Right. Whereas if you were in a super light T-shirt, because it's October, it's beginning of October, and some reason it's ninety degrees outside, right? Which that happens here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, that's kind of cool. Like, so did you shoot it all when you did the fitting, or was it just um, all? No, and no, in, in fact, it was actually with a uh, was it was actually with a gun shop in I want to say Marinette. Something like that. It was someplace just past, just over the uh, Wisconsin Michigan border. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, but it was just somebody that, somebody that actually did it. It was a sure. customer that actually did it. So, all right. And, and that's all I needed to do was get the dimensions and and then email them over when when my gun was being built. Sure, that makes sense. But for you, I mean, that's got to be a really big thing, especially because you're left-handed. Yes. Yes. And most over unders, and I prefer an over under for upland hunting. I mean, I buy semi auto still. I'm not saying anything against them, but most, most, but most over unders are going to have a slight cap for for a right handed shooter from the factory. They do, they do, and um, CZ actually comes to mind. They're all, they're all cast for a right handed shooter. Sure. I shoot, I shoot them well though, as they are. Well, so well, that's a good thing. You know, you know, I, I don't know, but 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 they they do, and I mean it's that's that's generally what I carry. Yeah, you have a really nice CZ. I remember that, and I believe the Orvis is a CC or a CZ as well, isn't it? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean they they do a quite. I'm sure it's finished and fit and slightly is slightly different than what you'd buy off your shelf for a CZ line for sure. Right. Right. That and it's custom made to you. And I'm sure, it, did you get to pick up your stock? I did. I, I picked the wood and then I picked the engraving as well. So. 
Yeah, so I mean that's a completely different level above what a standard CZ would be. But right. I saw some of your CZ. Do you have a Supreme? Is it? Um, I have a Supreme Field, and then I have a couple of the uh, the redhead Premiers. It was it was a great looking gun. Yeah. Oh, you're cutting in and out again. That that spectrum. I'm telling you, man. Oh, he's really gone. Hey, back again. Oh, hey, now he's back. Look at that. Yeah. Round three. Ready? Yeah, Fight. But no, that CZ was a good looking gun and it it, it fit me well. And yeah, yeah. They're I mean they swing well and you know they're they're finished well and they go bang every time you every time you pull the trigger. I had a canvas back back in the day, which I wound up letting go. Oh boy, that was years ago, but that one just did not fit me well. I mean as much as I loved that gun and wanted to shoot it well, sure, I just did not shoot it well. I didn't. I just had to. I had to. I had to cut ways with it. I I didn't have a choice because I just did not shoot that one well. And that's and they're gonna have big. that. So yeah, some of them it, it happens that way. And it's nothing against CZ. The gun was great. Like there was no issues with that gun and me at all, other than it just did not fit me right. But that's why I think it's so important to get fitted. No, I, I absolutely agree, and it's, especially if you're not the average 5'10", 175-pound male. You know, if if they're you know if you're shorter, if you're taller, or your arms are long, or whatever, you know, it's right-handed, left-handed doesn't matter. You know, it's 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 a worthwhile investment for sure, and you only have to do it once. Right, unless you would body unless your body type would drastically change, and it has to be pretty right. drastic. But yeah, if you gain two hundred pounds or something, obviously that's gonna that's gonna change things. Right. But but I mean, for the for the most part, you know, it's your frame isn't gonna change. So, and it's so important to have that gun look where you're when you look. That gun should be pointed in the where you're looking, right? Or you're just I mean, if you go and shoulder your shotgun, and I've shouldered guns before that have fit me terribly. I mean, I, I close my eyes, I shoulder the gun, I open my eyes, and. I'm not looking anywhere near down the center of that barrel. I mean, looking down the the barrel or something, right? And when that grouse flushes, the last thing—I mean, it's hard enough just to get your head down. Sometimes, I mean, at least I know I struggle with that. So I need every—I need it to fit right. I need to fit right, or I stand no chance of hitting birds. Exactly the same. A lot of times, I don't think I have a chance anyway. But you know, (laughs) you know that. That's a true statement. I, I put in quite a few hours this year to, I think I shot two grouse. I think it was two, maybe only one. It was, I flushed a lot of birds, moved mm. a lot of birds. I did not take a lot. If I had to live on grouse meat, I'd be dead. Same. <laughs> yeah, this that's not going to happen. I mean, I fill my freezer with a deer, <laughs> not with grouse yeah. meat, that's for sure. Absolutely. So what are you looking forward to, Troy? What's next on your radar? Um, I now right now I'm 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 fishing again. And uh I will now I'll fish trout until June when it when the water gets too hot and then I'll start fishing small moss. But sure. And you have quite a you have quite a diverse fishery up by you. I mean you really you have good trout do. fishing and smallmouth fishing. Correct. And that's yeah, that's that's generally what I chase. Um, I'd like to get a big muskie on the fly rod this year. We'll see if that happens or not. But that's, uh, that's kind of on my radar. 
you're gonna go out, you're gonna try to chase one out on Green Bay? Like you going like big, no, big? Yeah, no, no, that's that's way too much work out there. Um, <laughs> okay, go out there and rightfully so. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's a lot of water, and it's a giant yeah. flat. Like their structure, yeah. it's a giant flat. Yeah. No, I um I got bit off by one that was probably fifty last summer, fishing smallmouths. I also yeah on a river, and I also know that they don't travel that far. So sure. Um, so I should be able to find that fish again. So that's that's kind of what my plan is. Fifty's a big fish. Fifty's a big yeah. musky. Yeah. That's trophy. And to me, that's trophy fish. Oh, it is to me too. I mean, I don't. I I know for a fact I haven't caught a musky over forty. Yeah, I've I've caught a couple over forty on unconventional gear, but not not a, a fly rod. So I'm, I'm going to try it this time. And what are you using? What's the fly rod of choice for you for musky? Uh, honestly, I Orvis Clearwater eleven weight. And all right. It's um, it's got a strange handle. It's uh, it's it's almost like, it's almost like a spay rod. It's got a, it's got an extended grip on the on the bottom, so you can you can actually cast it two handed, and it's not going right. to wear you out just because they are so heavy, and the, and you're throwing sure. a lot of meat at them too. Yeah, I mean I've gone. I mean I've watched Austin do it. Austin Mitchell. I mean uh, he's a fellow new new Canadian team member, and he his main focus is fly fishing for muskies and. I've seen his musky box and those flies are giant. I mean, they are. you're throwing, I mean, on top of that, an 11 weight rod, I don't know if you're running 12, 11, 10, 10 weight line. I mean, I know people all have their preference depending on what that rod actually likes cool. and everything, but it's a heavy rod. It's a heavy line. Yes. It's a big fly. And it's not like you're just out there with conventional tackle, like lobbing a cast after, like you're doing a couple false casts for every time you place that fly. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to. And I honestly, no matter sure. what I'm doing, I try to not make very many false casts or any at all. Um. At Midway USA, we know the AR 15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history known for its modularity and widespread use. It's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Uh-oh. False casts? Any at all? That's kind of it. That's all you're doing is just, we're back. Yep, there we are. So last we heard was you try not to make any false casts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and basically you're just picking it up, putting it back down in pockets, and that's you know, all just, right. you know, you know, just you know, fishing key water. Otherwise, all you're going to do is wear yourself casting all day. And that makes sense. I mean, you're picking those. I mean, it, it's just like bass fishing in that regards. I mean, unless if you're on a big weed flat trying to fan cast for largemouth, that's different. But especially if you're on a river, you're just casting to specific structure specific pieces of that water right and you're not just casting the whole river right right and and i fish almost the same way you know it's i just fish the high percentage areas and move on you know i'm sure. not just going to cast everything out there it makes sense i mean i guess i don't think of fly fishing that way but it makes perfect sense because why would you waste your time casting to areas just to drag a fly through it i mean why wouldn't you just be picking those high percentage, high cover, high structure areas that you know will hold fish? Right. 
you know, everything says that they should, that's where I'm going to cast. And, and if it doesn't say that, I'm just going to keep on moving. So the days are too short anyway. Agreed. There's no, you never can have enough time in the woods or on the water or any of that stuff. I agree 100% right. with that. So trout, trout now, smallies next. Right. And then maybe yeah. a muskie. I mean, well, you got you have the temperature window with muskies too. You do. You do. Um, but they'll, they'll eat all summer too. You know, so True. it's, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's that little window in the fall and that's, I'll, I'll try to catch one then as long as I'm not out messing around with the girls with you. Sure. Well, I was thinking more like a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't know when we get warm water in summer, mm-hmm. we stop chasing muskie just because they can't survive that type of, that right. type of fight in those type of water conditions. Right. So just right. like trout, it, you stop fishing trout when it gets too warm. We do the same right. with muskie as well. Right. Right. And it's that, that first month of smallmouth fishing from June till like maybe the first of July. Um, that's the only time I bother to fish muskies until again in the fall. For for that sure. reason, you leave them alone after that one. Once that water gets to be 70, 75 degrees. Yeah, I thought I was thinking 70 or I, I was thinking that was the range. I I don't honestly fish musk for musky. I, I I get the bug here and there, and it's normally a really a big springtime bug for me. I'm like, we're gonna do it, and then I just never do it. Like I have all the stuff for all my dad. Fifty thousand times and don't see a fish. <laughs> I live next to good musky water, though. I mean, the Madison chain's known for it. I know yeah. guys that do great. Wingra is a well-known, highly stocked musky lake. When it's a great numbers lake, like it's pretty rare. I I go out there and don't move a fish. I mean, most times I go out there and I at least move a fish. Right. I don't know. Like, I think maybe part of it's because I had the bug a long time ago, back with my dad, and I was in my teens, and I was saving up every penny I had to buy stupid $20, $30 musky lures. It's like, I know how much I spend now on bass fishing. Do I really want to get the musky bug again? Cause there's this, it's going to be thousands by the time I blink my eyes. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's so expensive. And, uh, the fly thing is easy because now I just, I sit down and I tie something and it's, yeah, that, that might work. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but, but it doesn't cost yeah, that, that's true a couple hooks some heavy fluoro or something along those lines for the joint depending on what you're doing right a deer tail some bucktail some some fur yeah i'm i'm terrible at doing the whole like cutting deer hair i'm terrible i can't make a head to save my life i yeah. know i just need more practice and all but yeah my poppers are terrible yeah mine mine don't look good either I honestly, I just, I, I do foam, you know, for, for poppers. Sure. It's easy and I don't have to pick up deer hair all over my house. Yeah. My vac, I'm, I don't have a vacuum by my tying desk just for that reason. <laughs> I don't, I, I have that strain of strange obsession when I tie that I want to use deer hair. Like I want to use fur or I want to use. I think just because I watch people make flies out of it and the way they can cut them, it just looks amazing. I think I'm just like, you know what? I should be able to do that, but I don't put nearly the time in to come anywhere close to that. Right. <laughs> so no, I probably and, and I just use foam. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I uh, I mean, the history behind them is so cool too. And it's just, I just, I can't do it. You know, it's so, I've, I've seen some, some really incredible tires tie those things. And I'm not one of those. I mean, I can, I can make serviceable ones, but, I don't sure. care enough to, to learn to, to learn to focus on doing that. It's, 
Yeah, the one they're taking straight razor blades and bending them and just like shearing the heads out and like just make like sculpting. They're sculpting with hair is what they're doing. When it, oh, that, that's exactly what it, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't I can't do it either. <laughs> well, at least I'm not alone. No, definitely not. No, no, I'll stick with foam for that reason alone. Is that what you were throwing when you when you got bit off? So what are you going to change for that? Are you going to go with some sort of wire setup on that 11 weight or? Yeah, yeah, it's I'll I'll probably run something like Tiger Leader um, for for okay. a tippet that not of a wire. Um, sure. But no, I was I was honestly I was throwing a it was like a size 10 I think black woolly bugger catching smallmouths, and that right. that musky decided he was going to eat and uh, or. Tip it wasn't going to stand, wasn't going to hold him. So Ooh, I caught, I caught and he went away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sure. was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a light rod and I wasn't fishing big fish in, in the, in the pool that I was in either. I mean, they're, they're all 12 inch fish. So it was, it was basically, it's, it's a trout streamer rod. It's, it's just a six weight. Got it. Which that's, I mean, I don't do a ton of fly fishing. I still play here and there. That's just, mm -hmm. I need to do more so my casting gets better. So I want to do it more. It's kind of like that catch twenty two. Like I don't want to go because my casting is terrible. But if I don't go, my casting won't get better. Right. <laughs> but I know for bass, my first I grab an eight weight. Like that's just what I grab because that's my better my rod and I bought it for bass fishing. But a six seems like it would be a heck of a fight for smallies in a river. It is. It is, and it's you know as long as as long as you're not throwing too big of flies, you're you're fine with that. But I mean, even sure. then, you know, a fourteen-inch or fourteen-inch smallmouth in the river will buckle a six weight, which is which is pretty cool because it feels like almost like you're fishing tarpon out there. And that's what I was just thinking. I mean, because them river smallies are mean. Like, there's no way around they it. Are. They're mean. They are. And in the rivers you fish have decent current, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean, if I'm if I'm fishing bigger water or fishing bigger fish like the, the Green Bay tributaries and things like that, where you know five six pound fish are not uncommon, then I'll throw an eight weight all day. But sure, um, you know, some of these smaller creeks, though, there's warmer stretches of of trout water. Are I throw a six? All right, that makes that makes sense because why wear yourself out throwing the eight if you're not targeting those bigger fish anyways? Right. Right. And they're smaller water. You're not trying to cast as far. Again, don't need an eight weight to throw heavier, heavier line, get longer casting distance if you don't need to cast that far. Right. Makes sense. What's your favorite rod for your for trout then? Um, usually I use like an eight eight foot four weight or an eight six four weight. All right. Um, All right. You know, unless I'm fishing the little brookie creeks, and then I I have a six six glass two weight that I I use for those. Is that is that like a noodle or is it like a leaf, like a piece yeah. of grass? Yeah. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> soft. it's pretty soft. Um, it's a load one though. You know, it's, I mean, a six inch brookie will bend her out all the way into the cord. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't, I can, I've never thrown a two weight before. I know that for, I, there's no, I've never even touched one. I just, I, I just yeah. have this vision in my mind that like you catch this tiny little brookie and the thing just turns into a wet noodle. Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> basically no backbone <laughs> no that's awesome though 
So what's next on your agenda? What what are you looking forward? I know we said you're going to go into the spring fishing and all that, but as we start to get, I mean, it's April. Are you going to do any spring turkey? Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I uh, I drew a tag this year, so I am going. Nice. To, yeah, it's but I believe it's like the twenty first or something like that, or it's something like that. I don't remember. It's it's the it's week one. But uh, all right, well, that's yeah, boy, that's coming up fast then. Yeah, yeah. I actually found somebody that knows what they're doing. Doing and they're going to take me out. So nice. Um, and you get I've, dumb birds. I've been out once and I, I went out with my dad. Oh, it was like the first year that they did turkey in Wisconsin. And we saw lots of birds and called a big line of birds in. We got busted. Um, sure. Like a half hour left of shooting on the last day. And so, you know, opportunity knocked again. And I was like, I'm going to do it this time. And so I'm going to go and try to shoot one. And now it's just to decide if I'm going to do it with a shotgun or if i'm going to do it with a crossbow i would probably go with the shotgun just yeah i'd, I'd go with the shotgun especially if you yeah. haven't grabbed one yet on public land i'd, I'd, I'd go with the yeah. shotgun i have a turkey tag yeah. as well i have very mixed feelings about turkey hunting it goes way back to a divorce and some other stuff so i don't know if i'll actually mm -hmm. i get a turkey tag every year with my conservation patron license i hunt a zone that's got plenty of birds where i never get i get whatever choice i want thankfully yeah, we'll see if I even. I, there's there's a ninety percent chance I don't hit those woods. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know to each their own. You know, like I said, I exactly. I'm, so I'm excited here. for you. I'm excited for you. I'm hoping you get out. I'm hoping you found someone with some knowledge, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Mentorship's great. Right. I hope you get. I hope you get a bird. I hope you get a nice tom. I really do. Thank you. I I do too. You know, if, if for no other reason, it's like, it's almost to close a chapter on one that we got busted with, you know, years and years ago, you know, you know, it's, well, there's a line of time that actually came down the hill, you know, and it was, I guess, a 10 minutes left in shooting time for the week. And uh, what are you going to do? You know, so it's, uh, it's almost like I get to close that chapter now. So after all these years. Well, that's just it. I mean, you haven't, you haven't taken a turkey yet. I'm no. assuming you haven't, right, because at least not, obviously not in spring, and you just said no. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, I, I really hope you find some dumb birds because it's the first season and they shouldn't have been any, there should be no pressure. Right. At that point. And as long as you can find a handful. I mean, I know we, saw, I thought we saw some turkeys up when we were out driving around up there. We we did. We did. Um, yeah, I'm actually going closer to, towards Stevens Point. Um, All right. He, he knows where there's birds and he's going to basically the week before he's going to go out and he's going to, you know, watch them roost. And uh, so, he, sure. so he knows where they are all weeks. So basically Perfect. all we got to do is go set it set in between where they're, where they live and where they eat. That's almost like having a guide without paying for a guide. You can't, I mean, that's, that's grade a top notch service right there. Oh, absolutely. Well, to be fair, I taught him how to, how to fly fish. So. So he's returning the favor. He is. He is. And it's it's definitely appreciated. Well, I mean, that is a good thing, though. I mean, because I've seen that before where one person, like I've taken people out upland hunting for grouse who have then taken me out to do something in return that I'm not very familiar with. And right. there's a lot of, there's a lot to do in the outdoors. And it's really hard to gain all that knowledge on your own without some sort of mentorship. Exactly. I mean, YouTube's kind of changed some things. Facebook's kind of changed some things, making more information easier to find. But at the end of the day, it's boots on the ground. Questions, though, is just 
that's not there still. So you almost you almost right. have to do this. No, that's good, man. I'm I'm really hoping you get that turkey. But okay, what are you taking for a gun? Oh, well, if you don't take your crossbow, what are you taking for the shotgun? What shotgun are you grabbing? Uh, yeah, probably the CZ nine twelve. Um, it's just a summer All right. twelve. Sure. Wasn't sure if you're gonna uh, fire. Or if you're gonna grab that bolt action. No, no, <laughs> no. I don't even own that bolt action anymore. That thing can stay gone too. But uh, <laughs> no, no. It's, yeah, just the the CZ nine twelve. Um, they're they're great guns. They again go go bang every time, and uh, they shoot so soft. Not that it really matters. You're shooting once at a turkey's head, but. Well, uh, we'll yeah, see. but if you you pattern it though, you absolutely want to start with a turkey one because I have a Mossberg eight thirty five tactical turkey because I wanted that thing forever. Mm. So that's a pump action three and a half inch chambered pistol gripped oh, AR fifteen. That's gotta hurt. It doesn't even begin. So it's like I've I've patterned it. I know what it likes. I will never pattern the gun again. I, I, <laughs> I, I really probably should. If I do, I'll use a pillow. Oh, yeah. And maybe some gel. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I lent I lent it to a buddy and him and a friend of ours that we duck hunt with a lot. They went out to go pattern it because they wanted to see what it did. He shot it twice and he's like, "Nope, I'm done." And and the guy that was there, he's a slightly bigger dude. He's like, and he shot trap. He shot a ton of trap. Like he was the best shooter. Like one of the best shooters I've ever been around. The best shooter I've ever been around. He's like, that thing ain't so bad. And picks it up, took one shot, handed it back, and said, absolutely not, never again. <laughs> that gun is just that mean. That's and awesome. it gets And it gets even meaner because that's what I use for coyotes too. And I do get that itch to go out with the coyote and the shotgun. And I throw mm -hmm. three and a half number four buckshot through it. Oh. You know, there's easier ways. That's to like a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have an AR that just that does work just fine with very, very little recoil. Right. That would be a bruise for a week. I mean, that thing just kicks like a mule. Yeah, but it was a gift. But, but it was a gift. I can't get rid of it. It's one of them guns that'll sit in my safe. And when I go turkey hunting, I'll use it and I'll just grip my teeth and probably not pull the trigger because I have like an hour in every spring for turkey hunting. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got a couple questions, quick ones though, which I like to end with. Um, what would your favorite destination be if you could go somewhere to hunt? Like, where do you want to go to hunt? I think I'd like to go to Argentina and uh, hunt ducks. All right. If for no other reason, just because you're going to wear a gun out over the course of a week or something there. it's That's all you're doing is just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and dropping birds. I'd have to have something with a recoil system because there's no way I'm taking that beating myself. No, but no, you know, it would definitely be semi-auto territory too. Oh, yeah. And then you see those guys where they're handing you loaded shotguns and, like, they're taking yours and just handing it back. And I mean, you're running <laughs> thousands of rounds a day. Yeah. Yeah, and it's – I just 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 to experience that would be, would be so worth it. Um, either that or, honestly, grouse in Vermont, you know, and it's not because – the grouse hunting is even that good there because it's we have it better here, sure. but because it's a story um, story tradition there. See, and Vermont's not on my list, but Maine is. I would love to go yeah. hunt birds in Maine. I mean, that yeah. same area, that yeah. New England, right? 
but I would love to get to Maine once. I've, I actually started planning it one year, and it just I just didn't have the vacation time to make it happen. But sure. one of these years, I'll make it out there. Just like I would love to go west to like go chase a bunch of like spruce grouse and blues and roughed all through the mountains. Because right. as you change elevation, you change different grouse. Right. All right. Next one of the three. What's your dream species? Hunt or fish? Either one. If if what is your dream species? If you could be like, you know what, I'm gonna go chase this right now. What what would you chase? Brookies. They're, really? They're, they're, absolutely. They're they're my favorite. I don't need to catch big fish. I mean, it's like you know, sure, like sailfish or something would be cool. You know, on the, on the sure. fly rod or something. I don't care. Um, brookies are are my favorite. I've caught a bunch of different stuff, and. Uh, it's, there's something special about catching those little little paintings out of a ditch. See, that's awesome though, because because you're able to chase that dream catch of yours yes. right in your backyard. See, any, that's any, awesome. Any, yeah. Because like my bucket list fish is tarpon on a fly. I want to catch a tarpon on a fly. I really do. And I don't even fly fish that much, but I don't know why I want to catch a tarpon on a fly. Right. Just oh, I'd like just to like, do that too. Like I said, my my dream is a half an hour down the road. But that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then growing up hunting, I know you probably have some traditions, and traditions are a big thing for me. What's your favorite hunting tradition? Like growing up, passed down, something you created even. What's your favorite hunting tradition you have? Um, Honestly, the most memorable one, I mean, and, you know, is was deer camp. Um, sure. You know, waking up in the morning and eating donuts and drinking soda way too early in the morning and, you know, and going out and, you know, not, not anywhere near enough sleep. And, you know, it was that, right. that morning before, that morning before opening day was, was, was sure. incredible every single year. No, I, and that camaraderie and like, like the simple things yeah. that seem to happen every single year that you never really focused around, but it was someone brought the same trail mix every year or someone always had m&ms or something silly like that where you just every year you went there and then all of a sudden when you stop you're like man i never realized it but like those simple little things can even just become a tradition in the tradition it and it does or the uh the shot of shot of orange juice right next to a shot of brandy first thing in the morning you know it's, i've seen that many, many times too yeah you know. <laughs> well i'm going to give the next few minutes to you Thank whoever you want to thank. Shout out whoever you want to shout out. Um, yeah. Let everyone know where they can find you, social media. If you do the social media thing, however you want people to get in touch with you, if they want to talk Orvis or if they want to talk to you, guide. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. You know who I am? I'd like to, honestly, I'd like to uh, to thank my stepdad. I mean, he, Donnie Belt is his name. He uh, he really exposed me to, to this lifestyle, and I – love it to this day i mean the man changed my life at 10 years old you know and uh that's that's pretty much he's he's my guy and uh but yeah i i can be reached at uh troutbum2 at gmail.com you know or uh just my name as it as it appears on the screen here um just i'm on facebook i don't i don't have a professional page or anything but if if you want to want to set up something for guiding, reach reach out to me. Either one of those two two ways, 
or uh, if you got some questions, I'll do my best to answer them for you. That's awesome, man. I mean, I've gone hunting with you. You're very knowledgeable. I, I've seen I've seen what you can do for fishing, and I've taken lots of advice from this gentleman on fishing for smallies. Um, he, he really knows what he's doing. So if, if you're in the Wisconsin area and, and you're considering thinking about getting a guide, don't overlook Mr. Troy here because when I'm struggling to try to figure out how to catch smallies, especially like in the tournament scene, he's who I call first, and I'm like, hey, what do you think fish are doing right now? So, I mean, that says a lot right there. Not that, not that I'm like this old-class fisherman. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence. You know, it's uh, a lot of, lot of years, you know, behind that and a lot of failing to get to get to that point. And it's all about that experience. And that's in general, that's kind of what the whole trip is. Not only your experience you provide like at that moment, but your years of knowledge to bring that experience right. like in a full circle. Right. And that's, that's what I try to do. I try to shorten the learning curve every time. That's a good thing. Well, we are a little over an hour now, so we are going to sign her off. Troy, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Everyone else, thanks for tuning in. And until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.